How are you? Good? This is a pretty good group. Well, guys, I just want to tell you, uh, welcome to summer. It's the second day, and we really felt it out there. Um, we felt it in here for a while until we turned on the air conditioning. So I'm sorry if you're hot. Uh, you can use your friend's hand as a fan. Just grab them and start waving, okay? But tonight we're kicking off our summer series, and it's called Follow Me. And I want to start by prefacing this sermon by saying, when I say follow me to salvation, I'm not talking about me specifically. I want you guys tonight to look at me as sort of a tour guide. Um, The tour guide will take you through different parts of the exhibit. Um, He knows all the best things that you need to look at and see. But the reason that he knows that is because his boss has already walked him through the exhibit. His boss has already showed him those um, important things. And so tonight as we go through this journey of uh, finding salvation and realizing what it really is, ultimately the person that we're following is my boss, and that is Jesus. We're following Jesus to salvation. Now, if you're a Christian in the room tonight, I don't want you to just check out because you know the sermon is called Follow Me to Salvation. I don't want you to sit there and say, well, man, I'm good. I already have my salvation because I know a few things about you. I might not know you specifically or um, we might not be friends on Facebook. You might not follow me on Twitter, but I do know these few things. I know that you need grace. I know that you struggle with sin. And I know that no matter where you are in your walk, there's room for improvement. There's no cap for how good you can get or how close you can experience Jesus. If you're in the room tonight and you're not a Christian, um, I think God has something incredible in store for you. I believe that tonight is going to be about breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. You know, dictionary.com describes a breakthrough like this. They describe it as a military advance pushing through the enemy walls completely. Tonight, guys, I believe that we are the militia, and we're going to push past the enemy walls completely to experience Jesus tonight. Now, understanding um, salvation and knowing where we're going to get to salvation is kind of difficult because I believe that salvation is one of those things that it's experienced, not explained. Um, It's very personal. It's between a person and Jesus. And so tonight I want to do two things. The first thing is I want to look at the word grace and what grace means. Because without grace, there is no salvation. And the second thing I want to do is look at a woman who experienced salvation in the Bible. I heard it said once that my dad never told me how to live my life. He lived his and let me watch. See, I think there's great wisdom from learning from other people's experiences. So maybe tonight we can pause as we go through the story of this woman and see clear things that we can do in our own lives to reach this point of salvation, of freedom, and finding Jesus. You know, understanding grace is hard because if you grew up in the church setting, grace is a word that's constantly being thrown around. Grace falls into that category that I like to call Christianese. You know, like if you were out with your Christian friends and you started talking about how you were saved by the blood of the Lamb and someone that's never been to church walked by, it would freak them out. They would start telling their friends, man, you don't want to go to Burlington Baptist because they're slaying lambs. (laughs) They're weird. You see, we constantly are saying things that to to an outsider, to a non-believer, they don't really understand. And honestly, to the young Christian, Maybe they don't understand either. And whether it's out of ignorance or fear that they might be looked down upon, we never really ask what grace is. Grace, to me, is kind of like that gift that you get on your birthday or on Christmas, and you get it from someone that you love. So you appreciate it, 
But when you open it up and you pull it out and look at it, you go, oh, it's great. I love it. And you put it back in the box because you don't really know what its purpose is or what it's for. And then you, you put it up on your shelf until fast forward, you're in a, a point in your life and something goes wrong, something's broken, and your friend says, hey man, I know what can fix that. A whatchamacallit can fix that situation. And you go, oh my gosh, light bulb, my grandma gave me a whatchamacallit. I've got it in my closet at home. And so you, you go home and you pull it out of your closet and you dust it off and you use it to fix your problem. But then it goes right back in the closet. See, as Christians, I believe that sometimes we do that with grace. We've been given grace by our Father, and so we appreciate it. And we identify that we have it, but we sometimes don't really know what it's for. Until somebody in the church says, oh, well, there's grace for that. And you go, oh my gosh, I have that. God gave me that. And so you pull it out, and you use grace when, when you've stumbled or you've sinned. But after that, you put it right back in the closet until you need it again. And the fact of the matter is that's only a small piece of what grace is. See, grace isn't a thing. It's not an experience. It's not a feeling. This isn't some idea. Grace is a person. God sent us grace when he sent us his son who walked on earth, lived a perfect life, and died to pay our debt, to pay for our sins. Scripture says, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus identified himself right then and there as the personification of grace. Jesus is grace. So tonight as we try to realize how we can have grace so that we can get to salvation, realize that we're not searching after a thing or an experience or a feeling or a get-out-of-free-jail card when we sin, we're searching for Jesus. We're searching to know him more fully, and to be closer to him in his presence. Now, before we really dig in any deeper, would you just pray with me? God, I know that what we're talking about is, is heavy. It's good stuff, though, Lord. It's, it's the heart of why we're here. It's the reason that we worship. It's the reason that we're in a church, God, because we're worshiping a God who is holy and is good and is in all things, who loves his children so much so that you died for us. God, that's incredible to me. It's incredible to me that I have a Father in heaven who loves me, who knows my name, and who has given me the opportunity to have a relationship with him. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the opportunity to experience salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the story that um, I want to talk about tonight, the woman's life who I want to key in on tonight is a woman who was sick for a very long period of time. Um, to spare you of the graphics, this woman had internal bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. And now you have to understand, at this time in history, when a woman would menstruate, they were considered to be very, very unpure, very unclean. So this woman was looked down upon, looked down upon Men didn't want to be with her. Women didn't want to be around her. She was completely alone and set apart. And she went to all of these doctors and great physicians. They sent her to the Mayo Clinic. But no one could fix her. In fact, it says in Scripture that the more physicians and people that she saw, the worse conditions got. She kept trying to fix her problem on her own. It said that she went into debt, that she spent all of her money trying to fix this problem that she had. 
In the same time in history, Jesus' ministry was picking up steam. People were interested in this guy that was doing all these miracles and great things, this guy that was claiming to be the Messiah, and so they wanted to check him out. Now, I think sometimes when we read in Scripture that large crowds follow Jesus, we don't really imagine the proper amount of people. Imagine this room, this group of people multiplied by about 100, and these are the kind of crowds that were following Jesus, an immense number of people. And so this woman, she finds out about this guy that's healing people, this guy that's claiming to be the Savior. And she believes that if she can come in contact with this man, that she will be healed. You see, I think this is the first part in the story where we need to pause, because this woman did something. This woman acknowledged her need for the Savior. You know, so many times in my life, I'm like the woman I do everything I can in my power to fix my problems. I try to do it on my own. And ultimately what that leads to is probably 90% of the time making the situation worse. Have you ever done that? She acknowledged that she couldn't do it anymore on her own. She acknowledged her need to see the greatest physician that ever lived. So the story goes on that this woman approached the crowd. And I can just picture this in my head. Hundreds of people surrounding Jesus, this woman looking off in the distance, seeing him, trembling. This woman who had been made fun of, who had been set apart, left alone. This woman that was broken, that was sick, that was despised, that knew if she walked into this crowd that people were going to curse at her, probably call profanities at her. I imagine that the people in the crowd began to notice her, started whispering things to each other. I believe that this woman probably started having thoughts. I'm too broken to be here. God can't heal me. I'm too sick. She doubted. I'm making a fool of myself. This is embarrassing. But she didn't let it stop her from experiencing Jesus. See, I think this is another point in the story that we need to pause at because I think there's probably people in the room right now that are sitting here thinking, man, I'm not going to listen to you about how to find salvation, about how to experience God. You don't know my life. You don't know my story. You don't know how I've suffered. You don't know how I've sinned. And you know what? You're right, I don't. But this woman, this woman's unrelatability, this woman's loneliness is what makes her so relatable to every single one of us in the room tonight. Because no matter what the extremity was of your suffering, what the amount might have been of your feelings of loneliness, we have all been that woman at some point in time where we felt like no one could relate to us. No one could know how we felt. See, that woman didn't let it stop her. And so I imagine that she, she began to tremble and get closer and closer to the crowd as their, their words became sharper and Their eyes began to stare. I I believe that she realized in that moment, in order to get to Jesus, she wasn't going to be able to do it standing up. You see, this, this stance, this is a position of pride. Scholars believe that she had to literally crawl through the crowd. You see, I think this is another place that we need to look at because, guys, this, this is not surrender. 
This is not surrender. But this is surrender. Falling on your face before the Lord is surrender. And how many times in our life have we stopped right here? Have we given God parts of us, but not all of us? How many times have we allowed our pride to keep us on our feet? How many times? So this woman who had already been bleeding for 12 years is crawling on her hands and knees. And this road wasn't a a finely um, astroturfed field. It wasn't even concrete, but it was rubble and gravel and glass. So I believe that this woman who was already bleeding began bleeding all over her arms and her legs, becoming bruised, tears filling her eyes, dust being thrown up in her mouth, people stepping on top of her, pushing other people into her because they didn't want to be touched or defiled by her. And finally, this woman sees Jesus. She reaches out her hand in faith and touches the tip of his robe. Scripture says that she was healed. See, this is one of my favorite Jesus moments in all of Scripture. Because in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of all of these people bumping against God, bumping against Jesus, asking them um, to do great miracles, asking him questions, Jesus turned around. And he said, who touched my robe? His disciples were confused. They said, well, how can you ask such a question? People have been bumping against you all day long. We can't possibly answer that question. But still, Jesus looked around. And I wonder, you know, how this woman must have felt just being healed from 12 years of sickness. But knowing what she had just done could put her to death. See, like I said, in this day and age, not only was she sick, not only was she bleeding, which made her unpure, she intentionally went through a crowd of people and reached up and touched a man. And in that time, that was worthy of death by stoning. But Jesus was looking around and she felt convicted. And scripture said that she fell to the feet of Jesus and said, Jesus, it was me. Scripture said that she began pouring out her heart Telling the whole story. And Jesus responded. He responded by saying this. My daughter. My daughter. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace free from your suffering. Go in peace free from you're suffering. See, tonight, I believe that there's breakthrough possible for each one of us. I believe that each one of us can be this woman who has felt alone, who has felt broken, who has felt lost in a sickness of sin. But there's something that's holding us back from getting to Jesus. And tonight, I have one question for each person. What is your crowd? What is your crowd? What is the person or the people or the thing that's keeping you from experiencing Jesus to the fullness that he has promised? Experiencing Jesus to the point that you can rest in his salvation, his peace, his hope, and his truth. What is your crowd? Is your crowd your own insecurity? I know sometimes it is for me. It is for me. I see Jesus and what he has for me. 
and I doubt it. I say, you know, I'm too young for anyone to listen to what I have to say. Or maybe it's my pride because in other situations I can be extremely prideful and I can just say, you know what, I can do this on my own. And all it does is put me farther and farther away from the Father. I don't know what it is for you tonight, but what is your crowd? Is it that group of friends that doesn't want to have anything to do with you if you're a Christian? That group of people that you're not ready to give up? Is it a relationship that you know that you need to get rid of in your life because it's nothing but poisonous and it's bringing you down? What is your crowd? Is your crowd this wall of sin that is looking you in the eyes and saying, you are too broken to come to the foot of Jesus? Are you sitting here in this room saying, Blake, you just don't understand? I've been an alcoholic for 10 years. Blake, you just don't understand. I've been addicted to pornography since I was 12 years old. Blake, you just don't understand. I've been struggling with feelings of self-hate and depression since I was in middle school. Blake, you just don't understand. Well, stop making excuses for yourself. Because this woman who bled for 12 years suffered and crawled to the foot of Jesus humbly. And in a moment of faith, she was healed. She was healed. And we have that same opportunity tonight. No matter where you are, no matter how broken or how sinful you might be, you have the opportunity to experience Christ. And not just a little bit, but fully and completely. So as the band comes up and they start playing through this song, I just want to challenge you. Identify what your breakthrough looks like tonight. Identify your crowd I want to challenge you that if you've never given up the hard stuff, if you've never sacrificed, if you've never crawled to the feet of Christ, that you would fully surrender. That you wouldn't just give him part of you, but all of you. That you would embrace the love that he's extended. Because, listen guys, Jesus didn't just live on earth and then die in vain. He didn't just do that for this one woman. He hung on a cross for you and for me so that we might know him fully so that we might experience life change so that we might be healed would you pray with me God we know that you're in this place tonight and God as we look at the story of this woman who found salvation you help it, us to just see it in our own lives? Would you clearly put in front of us what our crowd might be? What's that one thing that's keeping us from you? And God, would you give us strength to crawl through the crowd? God, would you give us faith to believe that you could heal us completely and fully? God, you didn't have to die for us, but you did. So that we might experience life and experience it abundantly. And tonight, God, in this place, I just pray that you would convict people to act, that you would deliver us breakthroughs tonight in this room. God, we know that you're good and you're a God of love and a God of grace. 
And while your grace is not an excuse to sin, your grace covers over a multitude of sin. That means that I'm never too broken. I'm never too far gone. And if I want to be in your presence, all I have to do is seek you and you will turn around. God, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. through this song, would you stand up, would you sing the words of how he loves, and would you respond tonight, you can respond by giving offering, giving back to God what he's given you, you can respond by taking communion, which is a representation of the cross, a representation of the one thing that's given us our salvation, that's Jesus and his grace, maybe tonight you need to do like what the woman did, humble yourselves and fall on your face at this altar and say, God, I need you. Because guess what? He'll turn around and say, my daughter, my son, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Whatever it is, would you respond tonight?
sometimes hard to understand this kind of love. This kind of love that's so unconditional. That's so raw and so undeserved. You know that first verse, he is jealous for me. Have you ever really thought about that? Scripture says that the God of the universe... God who knows every star, knows every hair on your head, the God who created all of this is jealous for you. He wants you. That's the kind of love that you can experience tonight. And I can't help but feel like there's some reservation in this room. I can't help but feel like some of you guys are wrestling with God right now. He's putting something on your heart, but you're hesitating to act. You're hesitating to push through that wall. I just want to challenge you. Respond to his love. Respond to his love. Because when you experience God's grace, it wrecks your world in the best kind of way. Don't wait. You know, guys, we're not promised tomorrow, and sometimes I think we forget that this life is just a vapor. Things in this life can pile up and feel so substantial, but the reality of the matter is what we do in this place right now, how we respond to God, that's what matters. That's what counts. So tonight, would you just push away those reservations, push away those feelings that are telling you, no, don't go to the altar, don't respond, don't pray in front of people, that's embarrassing, and would you just act? Would you just respond in God's love? listening to this sermon. I think back to a lot of the conversations I've had over the years with people about God's love. And the number one thing that I hear is, God could never love me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. And I hate that this is a truth, but there is a, well, not a truth. I hate that this is a thing. There's a thing that says that God's grace won't cover what you did. And I'm feeling the same thing you are, that maybe there's some folks that have that reservation. And I know I'm on the edge of breaking because I feel that God just wants to wash over you with his love. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what terrible thing you're holding on to, no matter what thing you relive, I want you to understand that God's love covers that. God's love is greater than that. And you're not going to earn his love. He wants to give it to you right now. So as we sing this song, you just worship him. If, if you don't know what this is all about, if you don't know what this God thing is all about, just ask him to reveal it, and it's going to change your life. Yeah.